purpose is kind of the, our purpose in life is kind of the fundamental mechanism for us to process life. Without purpose, I don't know what we are. So it goes from the, the littlest things to the very biggest things. So the littlest things, I say to one of you after the service, I come and tap you on the shoulder and I say, can you meet me on Wednesday down at Burger King, something like that? that your first question would be, why? Your first question would be, why? I'm a busy person. I'm not just going to rock up you know, for the sake of it. You'd want a purpose. You'd need it to be a purpose. In the same sense, if you're thinking about the grandest things in life, if you're one night looking out of your window, having had a glass of red at the moon and the stars and the universe, and then you look inwardly at yourself in your house, wherever it is in Castleford or wherever, and you think, man, what is my, well, it would be what is my purpose here? From the littlest things to the biggest things, we navigate them by understanding our purpose. With purpose, we can cope with anything. The human, the human body, the human spirit is awesome. It is incredible. Uh, Nietzsche, I'm saying that right, I think I'm saying that right. Where's the scholars? Yes, thank you. Nietzsche says, he who has a why... He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. You've got a reason to live. You can, you can cope with all sorts. And it's true, isn't it? When, when, when they dragged the survivors out of the death camps in World War II or whatever war it was, it wasn't, they didn't, they didn't say it as an explanation, oh, I just had a good constitution, I had a good immune system, I was good in small spaces. They will say, it was the purposes that got me through. They will say things like, well, I was just thinking of my family, or I was thinking of revenge, or I was thinking of a greater cause. It would be the purpose that would get them through. With purpose, you can do anything. And conversely, and this, this can be like really raw, without purpose, we fall apart. We collapse without purpose. Even the wealthiest, richest, most successful of us human beings without purpose can crumble without purpose. So we're constantly on the lookout for purpose to validate our lives. We're constantly searching out our role in the stratosphere. We see this storyline of the universe and the world and how it takes over and how it makes sense and we say to ourselves, which, which part am I in this? How can I make sense of this? So we put great faith in things like our family or our career or some noble cause because we want to fit into this stream of purpose that exists in this world. I think, I think there's a strange anomaly, I hope I'm saying that right, anomaly in this world that there is this sense that purpose flows through our very bones. We search for it with all our hearts. And at the same time, and I speak broadly about the human beings of the universe, we hold this belief that everything happened by chance. We're all just here by chance. Richard Dawkins says this, we are survival machines, robot vehicles blindly programmed to preserve the selfish molecules known as genes. There is a truth that still fills me, this is a truth that still fills me with astonishment. And a guy I've got a bit of a man crush on, 
great scientist, uh, Brian Cox. He was in a band that I loved um, in, the in the 90s. He used to play the keyboards for this, for this band. Can't think what they're called now. Come and tell me afterwards. He says this, we are the cosmos made conscious, and life is the means by which the universe understands itself. Okay, Brian. Every carbon atom in every living thing is produced in the heart of a dying star. So there's this concept that we're all, we're all just here as this big chemical reaction fluke. And we kind of hold this thought where it's all just an accident. And kind of beyond that, if you take that to the next level, that's what sustains us. That's how we figure lives out. It's all just chemicals going around. And if you take it to the next scientific level, the, the universe eventually, at some point in, in human history, just explodes. And it all just disappears into eternal space and time. It is utterly coincidental, meaningless, nothingless. And we hold somehow, human beings, that in one hand, and at the same time, our lives here on earth are governed by purpose. We say things like, I'm searching for my purpose in life. We are meant for each other. Or, it's not supposed to be like this. The world shouldn't be like this. Or, something else like, that's just wrong. We've got this anomaly, I think, with life. We've got a deeply held conviction that our lives matter and have purpose and are kind of already part of some rhythm, some flow that's going on and we've just got to make sense of it. And we, it kind of feels like to me like these two things have got to give somewhere. Here's a question. If it's all just a cosmic fluke, that disappears into a billion light years of space, why does fulfilling our purpose, finding meaning, leaving a legacy, acting morally exist? Why, why does all this stuff keep going? Why is it not just dissipated? Why is it not disappeared? Why do we still really care about stuff? If it's all just slipping off of a cliff, you know, if it all came from nothing and ends at nothing, if we're all just like, if we're all on the Titanic and it's thundering down to the ground and we're all going to be forgotten, never to be remembered again, what does it matter, says Tim Keller, if you're a hugger or a mugger? What on earth? What difference is it? You may as well just, you know, if, if somebody's coming up to you on the last day as it's going down and it's all just going to disappear, you may as well just hand him over your wallet as well at the same time. You know, none of this matters, does it? Jean-Paul Sartre says, it's very distressing that God does not exist because all possibility of finding values in a heaven of ideas disappearing along with him. Because all possibility of finding values in a heaven of ideas disappears along with him. If there is no God, then there are no values or commands, no principles or ideals that legitimize our conduct. And yet, there are, aren't there? They stay with us, our lives matter. There is a moral standpoint that we know about. There is purpose and meaning to our lives. What does it mean? Well, for me, it means that God is real. God is amongst us. So in summary, understanding our purpose is critical for our lives and 
underneath that, the specter of God lies behind this search for purpose. So to understand our purpose, here's my contention, we've got to know about his purposes. To figure out what we're here for, we've got to figure out what he's here for. And there's a passage that we're going to look at, and it's like, in a sense you look at it and you go, this is his plans for the church, but underneath his plans, I think we see his purposes uh, for, for humans, for all of us. And I'm going to read it out to you again, so we've just had it before. I'm going to read it out verbatim, but what I would say to you is, I think unless you're some kind of saint, unless you're some kind of hybrid monk with his wings on, then you should, you should find this offensive. You should, you should dislike this. This should be too much for us to deal with. This is hard stuff. And I know we're in church, and you all want to go, oh yeah, I know, this, this is our big calling card. Everyone just goes, amen. But if you read this, cold light of day, just read this off pat. This is, man, this is hard stuff. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always, even to the very ends of the age. Are you offended yet? Is that difficult yet? Jesus walks in. First thing he says, well, I mean, first thing he says is, I'm in charge here. How does, that, how does that play with you when somebody, somebody walks into the room and says that off the pat? I don't, I don't respond to that very well. Somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm in control here. This is, this is my show. Immediately, and this might just be me, but immediately I dislike, I dislike them. I'm straight there. I'm on the point of, really? It's a problem for us, I think. Authority. The next thing he says and you've got to put yourselves in the mindset these disciples have been through it. This hasn't been an easy three years. You know, they've given up their lives at home. They've followed Jesus through everywhere. They are scared for their lives. All that sort of stuff is happening. Jesus says to them, don't get comfortable. And, it's, and it applies to us. It's our calling card too. Don't, don't get comfortable. Don't, don't enjoy your armchair too much. Don't enjoy the home comforts too much. I want you to go Go. And, and go where? And this is, this is a toughie. Because he doesn't, he doesn't, I want, give me, give me a way I can be successful. Put some parameters around it so I can and do this. And he says, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make it even harder. Go to the ends of the earth. Go to people you don't know. People who can't speak your language. People who don't understand your point of view. Go to these places that are just miles away. So he's bossy. And he asks the impossible. And then when you're in those places that you don't really want to be because the people aren't like you, don't just, don't just write down salvation and clear off. He says, and this is our calling card, this is what we're called to, he says, disciple them. Make disciples. And we know how that's gone for Jesus over the last three years. Spend three years of your life living with these people because you really care about them and invest in them and stick with them and keep explaining things over and over again even though they don't get it and then at the very end expect that they might well not get it anyway. This is just the toughest 
stuff and then explain God to them. Man, this is like, I don't know if you've read that and just gone amen, amen, amen the whole time and thought, yeah, this is great, I'm, I'm doing this. This is tough stuff. I think, I think the key issue for us here, living in 21st century Western world, is the idea of authority. That's what really, I mean, he asks us to do some tricky stuff, go all over the world, get out of your comfort zone. That's tough stuff. But the real stinker is that he says, I'm the complete authority here. When our ears hear that, especially if you've never been to church before, and there's this idea of a God who rocks up and says, I'm in complete control here. I am the authority. Go do some stuff. That's offensive, isn't it? Alarm bells are buzzing around in our heads when we think about that idea of authority. Because in our world, we think of the way that that's abused. We think of the dictators. We think of the bad teachers. We think of the bad priests. We think of the husbands that get this stuff badly wrong. And we caution ourselves and we say, I can't just let this happen. Because it leaves us vulnerable. I think it makes sense so listen to this. It makes sense in a world that is corrupted to be cautious with people who claim authority over us. It makes sense in our world to do that, to stand your ground, to think it through, to challenge people. Let's not be mugged off by politicians. Let's hold them to account. We're vulnerable here. Unless, and this is a huge unless, unless... The person is a good, completely good person, unless this person is a good God. Let me fill you in on a bit of context about this passage, because they're his plans, but let me tell you about his purposes. Because this passage really echoes another passage that we might be familiar with, right back at the start of your Bible, right at the very start. God speaks with authority. Genesis 1 and 2, that sort of stuff. He comes into the world and he says, I am in control here. And he just speaks stuff, best we can understand it, into being. And the world that he creates, and this is where we're getting to the bottom of his purposes, it is beautiful. There's this garden that we understand as Eden, like story, picture, however we understand it, and it just sings. The world functions beautifully. If you could go anywhere on holiday, if you're looking for a holiday at the moment, you'd want to be in this place. It's just perfect. And God is there. And God sees this perfect creation, and he says to himself, I want my image to be born out around here. I want people to be able to access, to, I, want, I want this to have the hallmarks of me on it. So what does he do when he, when he does that? He creates people to bear out his image. And what does he say to those people? And think, think through the passage and where this is leading us. He says to, to the people, I want you to go and multiply. Now we know, what, we know what that means, bluntly. But he says, I want you to go all over the world. I want you to subdue it. I want you to go everywhere. Go to all nations, cover it so that the whole world can see me. God's purposes for the world 
are good. They are perfect. And we have this point in the story where Jesus stands before the follow- his followers having just demonstrated the kind of love that would blow you away and his disciples have observed this perfect life and he says in this moment I'm in control I'm in perfect charge I'm in control of this whole situation see it makes sense to be cautious with people who claim authority over us unless the authority is a good and rightly purposed God then if you're sure is good and the disciples even though the odds were stacked against them and the, re- the challenge was impossible, the disciples were sure that he was good, then the only thing that makes sense in this moment is complete surrender. Against any other authority, I'm saying to you, Theresa May, your local politician, whoever it is, st- ask questions, stand up because we don't know. But with God, his purposes are good and the only way to go is just to completely Surrender. I thought long and hard about whether I should use this anecdote. And then I stopped thinking about it and I found it just in here. There's a better anecdote for what I'm going to say, but this is what I'm going with. I've only ever had one full body massage in my life. One time it happened. And I went, I went against, like, just wanting to fight, just thinking, oh man, just, I felt very, very vulnerable. I felt very exposed and it was a necessity that I, that I went and it might, you know, it's probably a necessity that I go again, my body's falling to bits but I remember lying on the bed thing and with, just with all of my might resisting because I was just, the first fingers went in and I made a, a very feminine yelp. It was a, oh, like, like, oh not, not quite that feminine. It was more, more feminine than that and I just, I felt very vulnerable. I thought, I thought, oh, this is, this is horrific and I clenched and I stiffened right up. I thought, I've got to resist this. I've got to fight it because there's going to be more yelping. I'm just going to embarrass myself and then about 15 minutes in, like I've got terrible posture. My spine just felt, it just felt incredible. They just went out of the room. I was wobbling. I thought, this is just, this is amazing. 15 minutes in, she came back in, I collapsed back on the bed, and there's an implement in her hands, and she sees, she, and it's like, just looks a scary looking thing, and she knows that I'm a bit nervous, and I'm, but I'm lied back on the bed, and sort of, do you know that where you have a conversation with somebody just with your eyes, you know, she looks at me, she knows I'm, there's a nervousness, and I went, just crack on with this, this is amazing, just do what you've got to do, because this is superb. I think that's, it's not exactly like what it is, but it's similar to what it is for these disciples here. It's like, oh, we've seen that he's good. We remember his intentions for the world and they're good. We remember we, what Jesus did on that cross. We watched him close up. He was perfect. He was good. The only thing for us to do, the only appropriate thing to get to the bottom of our purposes is to completely surrender. C.S. Lewis puts it, more eloquently uh, than the human body massage anecdote I've just given you does. This is the end of his book, Mere Christianity. It says, at the beginning, I said there were personalities in God. So it's a long quote, but it's a great quote. Stick with it. I will go further now. There are no real personalities anywhere else. 
Unless you have given up yourself to him, you will not have a real self. You must throw it away blindly, so to speak. Christ will indeed give you a real personality, but you must not go to him for the sake of that. As long as you own, as long as your own personality is what you are bothering about, you are not going to him at all. The very first step is to try to forget about yourself altogether. Your real new self will not come along as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. Give up yourself and you'll find your real self. Lose yourself and you will save yourself. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage and ruin. But look for Christ and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. You see, here's the tagline. We find purpose in life not at the point that our own agenda comes together, but when we realize God's agenda was better all along. We find purpose in life, not when our agenda comes together, but when we realize God's agenda was better all along. And Jesus stands there, and he talks to these disciples, and they see that he's good, and they know that his purposes are good, and he says to them, go, and they say, oh, my life is comfortable. As comfortable as it's got, I feel like I want it to be comfortable. And we say, I like my armchair. I don't like talking to people I don't know. I don't even really like other people at all. Actually, they've got to be really just the same as me. But because we know he's good, because we know his purposes are ultimately good, because we see in Jesus somebody that's good, other people, the way that they look, the way that we feel about them starts to change. That, they don't become some box tick aspect of our Christianity. They become something that we really, it actually means something to us. You actually go, yeah, be, I, this is real. This is the way forward. This is what helps. And now all of a sudden, having not been bothered about anywhere else in the world, I, I actually authentically care about you. And the idea of discipling somebody that just would scare the pants off some people. Just, you just think, I just can't be bothered investing any, any time in, other than the best box set that's out there right now. That is all that should demand my attention right now. Spending years investing anybody else in the hope that they might get this story, it just doesn't make any sense. Actually, when you see the purposes of God, when you see that Jesus is good, it's not just that you view it like that anymore. It becomes something that makes sense. You go, man, this is a good thing to do. This is the kind of purpose that I need because it's God's purpose. There is, I don't want to be too cheesy, as I wrap it up, there is purpose to your life. There is real purpose to your life. There is deep meaning to your life. You won't just disappear 
as some dusty, atomy thing into eternal time and space. But you won't create that purpose yourself. You won't be able to fabricate it. It's something you're going to need to find amongst the purposes of God. Now, we might struggle with his authority. That might be your problem. My problem sometimes. You might struggle and question his plans, but really, this is only when we lose sight of his purposes for us. Psalm 136 says, and this is the end, God is good. He is above all things. His love endures forever, so sing praise.